Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. So we're in a series, it's called The Race, and it's based on Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm going to read that passage and then just briefly uh, explain some of the different messages that we've had and then where we're going today. So here's Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, we've been looking at that passage as being really representative of our Christian life and how we, you know, kind of a picture of what we have to deal with and how our Christian walk, our life, and even if we're not Christians, even if we're not yet Christ followers, we have a race to run in this world. We're, we're running a race. But as Christ followers, we're specifically following him in our journey in this earth. And so we looked here, the first week, we looked at surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We looked at the people of faith that have gone on before us in Hebrews chapter 11, the people that, that inspire us, that, that should cause us to say, hey, I want to run my lap. I want to run my journey like they did. And I want to I do well. Almost like there's a stadium full of people watching us. That's the picture. And we looked at that picture. And then the next week we looked at throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. How we can run a race uh, you know, we can be hindered from running our race. It's like somebody who's, you know, got broken legs. How can they run the race very well? Or somebody that's impeded. And so we looked at how a church needs to be able to help people to be healed so they can run their race. We need to, but, but sometimes that the healing comes as we run a race. And I used a goofy clip from Forrest Gump, right? Run, Forrest, run, right? You know that clip? Some of you are like, I don't want to know that clip. Um, but the clip where he starts running and the braces fall off as he runs. And so sometimes part of the healing for us in our journey is as we start running, as we start engaging in what God's doing. So we looked at that. And then the next week, uh, the, the um, running, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. That was a great message that Joel uh, provided. I encourage you to listen to that one as well. They're all online. And then last week, I looked at fixing our eyes on Jesus. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? What does that mean? And so today we're going to look at, for the joy set before him, he endured. Actually, twice in that passage, endured is mentioned. For the joy set before him, he endured. And then consider him who endured. I don't know about you, but running this life race is not always easy. Would you agree with me on that? Sometimes you feel like quitting. Sometimes you feel like just taking a break and sitting down on the track. I mean, that would be awkward to watch, watch the Olympics and see that happen, right? The really long race. I'm just going to pause here for a minute and take a breather. Well, you're not going to win the race if you do that. So I think part of God's encouragement to us is he doesn't want us to just give up. He wants us to run that race that we've been marked, that's marked out for us. He wants us to endure. But I think the, the part that today is interesting is that concept of the joy set before him. You ever pondered that? How Jesus, his going to the cross, his dying on the cross, 
and then resurrecting how that could be joy for him. How could that be joy? Now, we know in the garden he wrestled with God, right? He wrestled with, is there another way? Because he was feeling the pressure of what it was going to cost him, right? He was human yet divine. And so he had this battle, but obviously he was submitted to God's will. What was it that caused Jesus to be able to push through? I would, I would say the joy set before him was the fact that he knew that if he endured and pushed through and did his part and sacrificed his life, he would pave the way for everyone here to come to know God and have a relationship through his shed blood, to be forgiven and to have access to the Father and to heaven. He knew that, and that was the joy. That's what he could see. He could see beyond the present pain. He could see beyond the present sacrifice. And he saw the bigger picture. Can I just say, I think that's the big issue for you and I too. If you and I don't see the joy, if we don't see the big picture, then the sacrifice now and the difficulty now isn't going to seem worth it. I think that's why many Christians bail out. I wouldn't say many, but there are Christians that bail out, that stop running. They sit down on the track. It's like, I'm done. Why? Because it doesn't feel worth it anymore. It's like, this is hard. You know, I didn't, I didn't run a lot when I was a kid. I had asthma, and so it was tough for me, but I did run a bit. We had the, the you know, Catherine. We had the, the Catherine Triangle. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. Past the school, they live in, near Catherine in the Belts, you know, and, the, and there was this one-mile triangle, and we'd run the triangle. Man, it was tough for me with asthma and everything. I didn't like that. In fact, it was like a bad word, running the triangle. It's hard, right? Running this race is hard. But there's something God wants to give us that's deeper that says, look, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's valuable. And it's worth you sacrificing for and giving everything for. So there's another picture I want to give you today that Jesus paints. You know, Jesus often talked in parables. And parables were just pictures and metaphors that had a deeper meaning but made it easy for his people to understand. It was like a picture they could go, okay, I get it. That's a tough concept, but when, I, when you give me that picture, I, I can see the nuance. And so Jesus did that. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a number of parables or pictures where he talks about what the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, his rule, his kingdom that he is bringing into the earth and, and, and the value of what that means, the value. He, he talks about the value. And I want to show you just a couple pictures here. And then we'll break it down and look at how it applies to us. In Matthew 13, here's what Jesus says, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again. And he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And and then verse 45, as if to reinforce it a bit more, he says again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Wow. Kingdom of heaven is like that. It's valuable. God's reign in our lives. God's reign and rule in our earth. God's working through us and through the church is valuable. It it is priceless. It's precious. God's work in the hearts of men. You know, the kingdom of God advances one person at a time. Did you know that? We talk about God, bring your kingdom. Come your kingdom. Be done your will. You know what we're actually talking about? God, come into the lives of each person. God, let your kingdom come 
into the life of my coworker. Let them know that you love them. Let them experience your grace and love for them and then that they would start to serve you and love you. We, we want his kingdom to come. He's the king. And, and we say, come Jesus, be the ruler of my life. Well, that needs to extend to every person on the earth. Now, it doesn't extend by force. It extends through God's love. It extends through us showing his grace to them. But that's the heart. And that is like a treasure. That is worth everything. Now, let me just give you some background here. And I'm going to really zero in in particular on that first picture of the treasure and what that means and how that, that looks. And I, I like to, theologian William Barclay, I like to look at some of his material because there's lots of, lots of tr nuggets that he has. And so I, I, I read up on this. And he, here's what he explains. Because if you look at this picture, I don't know if you've ever wondered about it. But it looks like the guy's kind of dishonest. You ever thought of that? Like, yeah, shouldn't, should he be, you know, he knows the treasure's there. And should he, should he be trying to buy that field? Is that right that he do that? Well, let me just give you a little bit of background here on how this all works. So in, in that day in Palestine, um, they had banks. But generally, banks were not for the ordinary person. Okay, they were, they were kind of difficult to access. There certainly was no ATMs. There was not, you know what I mean? So people had treasure, people had valuables, and ordinary people used the ground as their safe place. They buried their treasure, right? And, and, and so this is in line. Now you think of that passage um, in Matthew 25 where the parable of the talents, which is the talents are like bags of money, okay? And the one that gets really challenged by the, the, the owner who comes back steward who comes back and or, or the, the person who entrusts them with the bags and comes back and says hey what have you done with it is the one who buries it in other words it's like he put it in the bank except he didn't even get interest because the ground doesn't give you interest right there's no money accumulated burying the ground but but that would be normal for him as a safe place I'm going to put it in the earth I'm going to bury it where no one knows where it is and so there was a rabbinic saying that there was only one safe repository for money the earth Okay, so this is not unusual. When, when Jesus told this story, people would get it. Okay, there's treasure in the ground. All right, it's not just pirates that bury this. This is, this is a practice when you have some valuable treasure. So somebody finds treasure in the ground. And the other part of it is, in, it, even today, the land of Palestine is really contested, right? Like you would agree. That little piece of real estate, there's just stuff going on all the time and wars and, and contests. So, Hey, back in Jesus' day, same thing. That piece of land was fought over. So especially when your garden could become a battlefield any moment, right? Some could break out. You're going to bury the treasure. You're going to make sure it's hidden away. And then maybe later you can come back and dig it up. And hey, I got my treasure. No one found it. So this is kind of the context of what they're doing. So when this is buried, the man goes away and he comes back and he, he buys the land. And um, again, just something to, for you to consider is that in, in Jewish law, it was actually kind of finders keepers. <laughs> I was reading up on this. So in the Roman law, they were under Roman law, but actually on regular day-to-day -day matters, they were under their Jewish law. And, and the rabbinical law was clear. Um, it, these finds belong to the finder. If a man finds scattered fruit, scattered money, these belong to the finder. So here's the deal. If that had been buried fruit, he could have also picked that up. Not as desirable. I probably wouldn't have tried to buy the field for buried fruit. But for treasure as well. You find treasure, 
fair game. You can go buy the field and get the treasure. So all I'm saying is this guy was not being dishonest by the standards of his day. He was being honest. So he goes and he decides to buy that field so he can get the treasure. Now, the, the interesting part of this, and this is the part I really like with this picture, is that he finds this treasure as he goes about his everyday life. He finds this treasure. He's not a treasure hunter. He's not just out trying to find, but as he goes about his everyday life, as he does what he normally does, he comes across this treasure. And when he comes across it, he realizes its value. And so then he chooses to give everything to get the field so he can have the treasure. Now, the reason I tell you that is because I think that that is a picture for you and I. I think that part of the joy set before us in our race, okay, I'm tying it all back in here. What is it that motivates us? What is it that's going to stir us? I think that God wants you and I to find the treasure in our everyday life. As we go, we find the treasure that's buried. And when we see it for what it is, then we're willing to bet the farm. We're willing to go all in. We're willing to say, uh, this is worth it. This treasure in front of me, this treasure that I've discovered is worth me investing in getting that field so that I can see God's kingdom come. I think that's the picture. I like what William Barclay writes, and I'll read this. It says, it would be a sad thing if it were only in churches, in so-called holy places, and on so-called religious occasions that we found God and felt close to him. It would be sad. In other words, you know, just here in this church or just when I'm being spiritual at a prayer meeting, that's when I know God. What he's saying is, and he's saying in a reference to this passage, is that you and I can know God in our everyday life. And we can experience his kingdom and what he wants to do in the lives of others. See, the joy set before us, the excitement, the treasure set before us are the people that are around us who God has called and wants us to bring the gospel to. If I can put it in basic terms, I think that's the treasure. And I think what God says is, are you willing at times to bet the farm, to engage with your life in that treasure so you can mine it out, so you can own that field and you can harvest that treasure? That's what I think it is. And so as we go about our daily lives, as we are in that occupation, see, there's no sacred and secular. There's no, well, he's in full-time ministry, and his whole thing is to preach. And No, listen, we're all in full-time ministry, folks. Come on. Whatever we do is ministry for God. Whatever we do, God can use it. God can work through it to touch the hearts of others. So Jeff Normando, who's here. So when Jeff is working and fixing a car at his dealership and doing everything, interacting with the people where he works. He is there for the treasure that God has for him there. He is there to make a difference. And, he's, and Jeff, you're making more of a difference than you realize. Let's feel that for you right now. You're making more of a difference than you even realize by your demeanor, your heart, and the way you operate. You need to know that. Sometimes I think you wonder, and you need to know that. I just sense that in my heart for you. Yeah. So Jeff, Jeff Normando, or Bonnie Dick. Where's Bonnie? And her husband, Randy, they're like a duo at Iron Oak IT, right? And they work hard. So as Bonnie and Randy are interacting with their people, the customers, they don't always feel like treasure, I'm sure. But, you know, they are. They're treasure. And you can impact them. And you can touch their lives, right? Or Chris Reimer as he leads Selkirk Signs, president. President right here, guys. President of Selkirk Signs as of, like, October, right? 
Yeah, well, as he does that, what's he doing? Yeah, he's leading a company. But in a godly way, with godly principles, he's mining out treasure. He's impacting. He's seeing the treasure there. I know how Chris thinks. See, God's put that in front of him. Or Leslie Galt, she's an aquatic biologist. I had to figure this all out today and talk to Leslie. What are you? What do you do? She's a project manager. So as she deals with people, she's mining out treasure. You don't realize that. The people you interact with as you show them Jesus through how you live and as you're, right, you're on your race. That's my point. We need to see that. Otherwise, sometimes we just separate everything. We don't see that, that what I'm doing or Dr. Dave and the Camerons at Cameron Chiropractic. Cameron Family Chiropractic. They're every Thursday morning. God bless you guys. And yeah, they are there ministering, mining out treasure all the time, laying hands on people, adjusting them. I know they're praying for them too, right? On target, running their race, mining out the treasure that's in front of them. It's important we understand this. It's important we see it. So God says, look, I want you, and back to the concept we talked about, about being a forerunner. See, part of that is you and I go ahead of other people. You and I go ahead and we see the treasure that's buried. We see the potential in them when they don't even see it. And we're willing. And see, that's, that's Jesus again. He saw the potential in us. He saw that with his blood being shed and his sacrifice, that you and I could be, could be brought into a place where we would become sons and daughters of the Most High. He saw the potential in all of us. He saw who we are, and he said, I will pay the price. I need, I want them to know me. I want them to be brought back into fellowship and relationship. So he was willing to go ahead into, into the, on the cross, into the grave, resurrected, into heaven. He went ahead to prepare the way. And you and I, back to this forerunner concept, have the opportunity to do the same thing to do the same thing. I want to give you some other stories. I like telling stories. Today's Story Sunday. Somebody's like, oh, goody, right? I want to tell you some more stories of people that went ahead of others and what I was talking about in their daily life. Went ahead of others, prepare the way. And some, a couple of these stories you will have heard. Some of you would have, will have heard them. Others haven't. When I talked to Joel, because we've been working on this series together, we said, these are good stories. They should come out again. And they're new to Joel too. So there you go, Joel and Dee. They're perfect. So one of them is the story of Andrew and Agatha Nagy. Wow. Right there. Wave your hands for us. Beautiful couple. This is a very, very cool story. So my wife, who's right here, Val, wave your hand. She's beautiful. My beautiful wife. She's very intuitive and in listening to the Holy Spirit about who she should be interacting with. See, she's looking for treasure. Do you understand? She's about her daily life. She looks for treasure. So one time, she, she has a habit of giving away Tim Horton's gift cards. Okay? And, and so she would, would buy like five of them at a time and keep them in kind of a budget to bless and so have them available in her purse in case she sees somebody. Just to, and, and written inside it would be sharing God's love with you and a little bit about the church, maybe website, something like that, right? Simple, just God loves you. She's done that a, a, a lot. So this one day, she was at Tim Hortons, probably buying the cards, right? Probably buying the cards. And this, this beautiful young lady is helping her. And as this lady's helping her, Agatha, who worked there, Val feels the Holy Spirit say, give Agatha a Tim Hortons card, which seems a little odd, right? 
you know, a little counterintuitive. She works at Tim Hortons. Hey, listen, do you want a Tim Hortons card? I think there's one near you. Ah, oh, I'm in one. Okay. But she felt like God said, do that. And so she obeyed because she's obedient. So she says, here, she gives Agatha. If I make mistakes, you tell me. Okay. So she gives her Tim Hortons card. Anyway, I think as a result of it, you went for coffee, right? She talked with her and they ended up going for coffee, which is amazing. So Val shares and they talk and share and made a good connection. But then lots of time went by, right? Quite a while. And so then Val was thinking about them again and wondering how, because it had been a really good connection, and Val's wondering about Egeta, wondering how they're doing, and Andrew, she heard about him. And just at that time, she was prompted to reach out again and see, how's Egeta doing? Well, it was just at the moment when Egeta was diagnosed with cancer, right? The timing of the Holy Spirit going, Val, you should contact Egeta again. Egeta, how are you? Oh, by the way, Val, this is just... Now, crisis moments are, are powerful moments for people because they open people's hearts more and more to God, right? You ever gone through a crisis and, and God opened your heart more to him? I mean, we don't like it, right? I'd rather open my heart more to you, God, without crisis. But sometimes that's the reality. Crisis comes and we're like, oh, God. And so that was kind of you guys. You were just looking to God, right? God, what do we do? And so you came to church, both of you. And then you committed your hearts to the Lord or recommitted, like you made a decision for Jesus. And then I started meeting with you for, you know, to go over what this all means. And the next thing, you were getting married. It was like days, I remember that, right? It's like within a week out at Belt's Farm, they got married. It was awesome. And then they were baptized. Whew. And then they're right here. Wow. an amazing story now how did it start with a tim hortons card at tim hortons that's how it started as weird as that seems it started with somebody seeing the treasure in front hearing the holy spirit say there's treasure here there's someone buried here there's there's something i'm doing here and val's like okay i'll give a tim hortons card to this woman boom right here do you see how it works now let me just say something that's not rocket science Right? It isn't. It's just simple hearing and obedience. And that's what God's calling us to do. That's the that's a forerunner. That's going ahead of others. And sometimes, you know, we blazing a trail like it's this glorious thing. It's just simple some ways. It's just as we go, everyday living, as you and I are interacting and sharing the heart of God with the people God shows us. Who knows how many other Egerton Andrews are out there that God's gonna bring in? Hello, right? Through you. Through me. That's what gets me excited. There's a lot more treasure out there, folks. Let's go treasure hunting. Let's let the Holy Spirit guide us. The other one I like, another story here that was kind of cool, is, is the whole mustard seed story. You know, every month, a team from this church, go. can you, if you go and do that, can you put your hand up for me? Just all around. Just put your hand up. Yeah. They're all sitting over here. I don't know. It must be the more godly area. I don't know why that. <laughs> anyway, and Kim is back there. I see, I see you, Kim. Anyway, so... What happened, how that happened was um, one of our life groups, one of our small groups led by John and Grace Shattuck, um, they actually go to Beddington Pentecostal Church now, but they're still good friends of us. And they've still, they actually helped us move in here that day. So all is well, right? But anyway, they were leading a small group, a life group. And the challenge was, hey, why don't you find a way 
to interact with your community, to serve and, and, and to reach out and be on mission together. That was the challenge, I remember, to the groups. And so John and Grace really grabbed a hold of that. And they're like, okay, we're going to do that. And so they, they talked to their small group and they said, let's go to the mustard seed. And so they did. Well, out of that, to be honest, it grew. It became bigger than just their small group. And now every month, we, we fill a valuable position as a church on, on the afternoon, evening there when they don't have staff. They actually look to churches to volunteer. So God bless you. And I've been there too. I've gone there as well as Val has as well. And it's powerful. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity. Where did it start from? It started from one couple in their life group looking for treasure. Where can we go? What can we do? And God guides them. And now we have this ministry happening. Do you see how that works? So the intention wasn't that it would become bigger. God knew it would become bigger. And they were just on a treasure hunt. Another picture. Here's the last picture. How many people like dogs? Okay. Ron, <laughs> we know that Ron Bell likes dogs. He has his own kennel, right? Is it, it's cr Cross Iron Kennels? Yeah, that's the official name. Anyway, wire-haired pointing griffon. Did I get right? Whew, it's a mouthful. Wire-haired pointing griffons. They have those dogs. Oh, they're really exotic dogs. And they breed them now. And Ron and Mary Bell, they're part of our leadership team. They're awesome people. Well, here's the cool part for them. So that's... They love dogs. Dogs love you, Ron. I mean, you're just, you're awesome. So, so what did they do, though? They got connected with their club, their dog. What, what's your dog club called? Yeah, what he said right there. <laughs> it's the biggest association. Anyway, they've got a branch here, a chapter here, right? And so they've been involved with that, and they've just been loving on the people in that club. And while they have their dogs and serving, well, you know, there's been fruit from that. I mean, there, there's someone that, that is really, God has got to hold their heart and pulled them in. And this person's really growing because of their connection. And there's others that they don't even know about yet. And you know this, who are being impacted. There's other treasure there that you're investing in. See, that's a hobby for them. That's a love for them. But they've actually turned it into a pursuit. They bought the field, but not just for the hobby, for what God is doing through that field. Do you understand? So whatever hobby we have, whatever job we have, whatever block we're on, there's treasure there. And God says, engage in it. Have fun with the dogs, but there is fruit around you. There is treasure around you, and I want you to mine that out. Does that make sense? Now, again, this isn't rocket science, folks, is it? This really isn't. But sometimes we forget because we segment everything. And God says, you need to see me in everything. You need to be intentional. You need to have your eyes open. Forerunners, people going ahead, people paying the price in prayer and in service and interaction so that others can come into the kingdom. That's the picture there. Um, you know, this concept relates to the establishment of this church as well. And I just want to highlight a few things here this morning with seeing the treasure. You know, Dave Wells, who's now the leader emeritus of our network. Does that not sound pretty powerful? It does. <laughs> Dave says, if you know Dave, he says that just means has been. <laughs> Sorry, he's funny. He's not. He's the former leader. He's, my, he's our mentor. And uh, now I'm the current leader of Lifelinks as of uh, late October. But Dave, believe me, his influence is still great. 
And I like that title. I think it's, it's more than just a has-been title. That's just Dave. You know, you know Diane, how Dave is. So he, Dave uh, and Linda saw the treasure in Val and me when, when it came to planning this church. And so, and before that, leading this network. If it weren't for their hearts towards us and, and the prophetic words they received and their willingness to obey what God was saying, they mined us out. They dug the treasure up. Can I say that? They, they saw treasure. They saw the potential in us before we saw it or even other people because the, the prophetic showed it to them, but they were obedient and they said, okay, we're going to dig out this treasure. 2004, 15-year process, folks, digging out the treasure finding the treasure, buying the field. They bought the field of Valamy. They said, we're investing. We're all in. We're going to invest in this couple. We're going to raise them up. And then they're going to go on. And that's what they've done. And that's powerful. I want to give them credit. I want to honor them. Mark Hughes saw a treasure in Val and me when we were planning to come here to start a church that God called us to do. And so he said, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to allow you to use the Church of the Rock name, which honestly, great blessing for us. Brought in Brought in a number of people, especially at the start. 90 people at the info meeting, 40 people after that. Not everyone's here today. There are people that are here today. God bless them, right? But it helped us. Huge, huge benefit. And he, why did he do it? He saw the treasure. He saw the potential. They provided financially, as did Harvest City Church in Regina. And then this church was built by forerunners who could see the treasure buried here. There's, there's people here in this room that came right in on the front end when there was nothing. And they came for a dream. They came for a vision. They could see that God had treasure here in Calgary. And there's a reason why this church is here. There's a reason why we're here. And there's something that God has for us. Can I just say to you that what you see today is wonderful. And there is much treasure here. But there's a lot more to come. Can I tell you that? You know, you, you can't judge something by its beginning. Don't despise the day of small beginnings, right? Never do that because God knows timing. He knows what he's going to do. But there's a lot of treasure here. When I consider coming and having no one, there's a lot of treasure here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, right? We didn't. We didn't. Through the circumstance, we actually had no one coming with us. We went to Winnipeg for three months, and we didn't know who was going to be here or what was going to happen, which, can I just tell you, was a little scary at times. It really was. It required faith and trust. And I'm, We were literally buying the field. We'd given up our church. We'd given up our old job. And we said, this field is ours. There's treasure in it. We bought the field. Do you understand? But I didn't know where the treasure was. <laughs> By faith, there's treasure here. I don't know what it is, but I believe God will show us. Well, what happens? We come here. And I remember James and, and Bev Dow. They might even be downstairs working. I'm not sure. Getting ready for it later. But uh, they joined us in July that year. They moved from Winnipeg because they could see treasure in the field, and they were willing to buy, bet the farm, and come here. God bless them for doing that. Then, as we started, people like Audrey and Barbara Pincomb, over there, wonderful people, Kim Couple and her sons, Evan and Aaron. Where's, where's Aaron? Uh, Jerry Klein, who's not here. David and Tara Cameron, they were there right from the get-go. God bless you guys. Lisa and Vaughn Russell, who were there very close to the beginning. There's others here, too. I was looking around. I want to make sure I didn't miss anyone. Hopefully I'm not. If I am. Oh, the other birds. Got to say that. Yeah. Rest of our family. We, they were there. I got to honor them, right? I mean, it was a part and parcel thing. We were together. And then there's others that came later. Over time, you have 
you've come. You've been part of this. Others have joined and been part of it. Klaus, you were pretty early days too, right? Yeah. And so over time, God has attached you. And, and I would say for all of you, it took faith. It took faith to believe there was more here. It took faith to believe God was going to do something here. And even during the lean times and the weary times and the hard times, and we're stuck in the theater times, right? You still are here. God bless you. Because why? Because you believe there's treasure. You see that there's treasure. You see it's worth investing in the field. And I believe that you'll see that even more in the days ahead. And so God has built this church on forerunners. People going ahead. People seeing the treasure. People being willing to invest. I think of those who have responded to God's love through the years and have come into the kingdom because of the forerunning efforts of this church. People who have given their lives to Jesus in our services or been baptized. Think of the baptisms we've had. I mean, I remember the first one was in Dow's backyard. Yeah, that was a good one. But in the backyard, we had a little canopy over top. It was, and then we went to a tributary behind Eau Claire twice. Went back there. There's a little, anybody remember that? And we stood on the side. I don't know if it's allowable. <laughs> Didn't really ask. Thought if they came and arrested us, you know, you're not supposed to be down there. No one swims there, but we went down. People were standing on that little bridge listening to us proclaim baptism and faith in Jesus. Oh, yeah, it was good. And then Hartsook's acreage. Had a few big ones out there, right, all at once because we couldn't do it in our facility. Still can't here, maybe outside in the summer. But all those changed lives, people being discipled, set free, people uh, baptized and coming to know Jesus. Wow. It's good to think about these things. So what about the future? Good days in the past. What about the future? How, how are we going to mine out the treasure in the future? How are we going to move forward into the field God has for us? What does God have for us in the future? Well, we want to continue being forerunners personally. We want to empower you to be forerunners in your pers personal lives by encouraging and supporting you and equipping you, right? The whole purpose of a church is to help its people to run their race, equip them to be who they're meant to be. Really, that's the issue, right? That's our job. That's my job. And our goal is to do that, is to do that better and to have even other ways in the future. We want to do this by focusing on three primary things, which aren't new, by the way. Discipleship, which just means that we help you grow in your relationship with God. You come to know Jesus. You're, you're empowered, equipped, and you grow and become more Christ-like because of the help of others. Community. That means we have connection with each other. We enjoy each other. We get to hang out together. And mission, something bigger than ourselves, like the mustard seed, like other things God will do in your life and as your groups begin to reach out. So it could, you could say loving God, loving others, serving the world. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> That's one way to put it. Or used to be in-reach, up-reach, outreach. In other words, we're going to have community. We're going to reach up to God and we're going to reach out to others. However you word it, those three things are very, very important. And we're going to focus on that more than ever. You know, that's why we ran the Worldview course this, this fall, was to help people to learn how to share their faith in their marketplace, in their field that God has given them, how to share the faith and dig out, dig out that treasure. Our Sunday morning gatherings, our goal is to continue to meet here where you can be spurred on toward love and good deeds, the Bible says, where you can be encouraged. You have a place where you can come in like a depot, where you can receive the impartation of the Holy Spirit, where you can have friends stand with you and encourage you when you're down. 
where you can be inspired with what God is doing and hear his word and then go out and take it into your world. That's what we want to see happen. And then we want, of course, to have strong groups. You know, we've had groups before. And I think probably group-wise, our church is at its lowest ebb since we started. We started with four groups. At one point, we had 10. <laughs> we have less than that today, okay? But that's okay. Sometimes it's good moments to restart and to kind of kickstart again in a fresh way. And that's what we want to do. We, we have some pilots going on. We've been, Joel and Dee are going to be working on some pilots. I want to be involved in a pilot. We want to develop a new structure, a new way, a new rhythm, if you want to put it that way, of how we can enjoy this, be in groups. They're life-giving, and they actually make a difference in our world as well. Those are some things that are on our hearts. So discipleship, community, mission. Overall, bottom line, we want to help you run your race. Run your race. That's actually the new tagline that we want to have as a church. Run your race. And it's meant to be helpful. We want to help you run your race. We have a race as a church. We have a race as individuals. And we want to help you with your race. And it's, it's meant to be, yes, it's, it's forward thinking and momentum. But it's not all up to you to run your race. We run with you. And when you're feeling low and when you're feeling lagging, we'll be there to help you and walk with you. That's the kind of church you want to be. Then also, lastly, and then we're done here. We want to continue being a forerunner as a local church. You know, when we came here in 2012, we came with a bigger vision. We came with a sense that God wanted to build an apostolic center. And I know it's a mouthful, big word, but that just means a sending center. That just means a place where this church can impact other churches, impact other groups, other nations over time. Send people, equip people, become a bigger place to do that. And we came here, plant churches out of this church. These are all things that were in our heart when we came here. Now, we haven't done all those things. We haven't. There's reasons we haven't done all those things. But let me just say something. That doesn't mean we won't do those things. And it doesn't mean those things are gone. I believe those treasures are still there. And God has them for us. We want to be forerunners as a local church. And um, in 2013, and I won't reinforce the prophetic word, I was talking to Clem Ferris this morning, and he gave this to us in 2013, and he doesn't remember it, which is good, right? So I'm not going to remind him. But it was a good prophetic word. Let's just say that. And encourage us as a church as to this big picture. And Diane Harrison was here, and we have yours all written down too, Diane, and it was powerful. These are words from people that have inspired us and spoken to us. So... We want to do these things. We, we already have churches. Val and I work with a number of churches in our network directly. We also go to the UK now and are connected there, Kenya. There's different places, but I know that's us. But we also, listen church, we also are believing that as this church is built and grows in the next phase, that our work that way will be engrafted in even more to what this church is. That you will sense more than ever that our work in the network and beyond is part of this work. You're part of it. And that God's going to equip and empower you and release some of you to go as well on teams. We want to look at that. How can we take you? How can you go with us? How can we send you to other places we haven't even been to? I believe that's coming too. So buckle up, right? Buckle up. It's not over. Best days are ahead. Whew, I'm getting all excited up here. So practical things. 
We're still working on our new branding for our church name, which is Forerunner Church. That is where we're headed. We've announced that a few weeks ago. I'm just re-announcing it again, but giving you more background again. Just so you see, there's some rationale behind this. It's not just, hey, that's a good name. It's, and you may not like, like the name. Can I be honest? You might not. And if you don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I say that with love. But, but, but there is a meaning behind it. And maybe it will grow on you. Maybe it will grow on you and you'll, you know, I don't, I don't dislike that as much <laughs> over time, right? But, but the thing is, if you can see the meaning behind it, maybe you can start praying into it and saying, okay, God, uh, I may not totally like this name, but I like the vision. I like what there is, so I'm going to start praying and, and doing my part. So we want to have our launch really Easter Sunday, April 12th. Our goal is to have our branding and our logo, our new signs already by then, if not a bit before. And, uh, Promote it, advertise, and pack the place out with your friends, with people from this community, and celebrate that day, Easter Resurrection Sunday. Doesn't that seem appropriate to you? It seems appropriate to me. And so that's coming. But in prep for that, March 10th to 12th, I want to encourage you to fast and pray for, for that new name and for the change in this church. You know, I was meeting with, um, I had a, a leader this week. I was at a, a leader's meeting. Uh, in the city, and I sat beside a guy who's just really strong in intercession and prayer. And he really, just really encouraged me. He said, Ian, have you really pressed in on that? Have you really protected that name in prayer? And I thought, you know, we've prayed, but as a church, we haven't really fasted and prayed and dug in. And he said, that's a big deal. You change that name? And he said, especially that name you're, you're talking about. You're not talking about some little light thing. What you're declaring there with that forerunner name is you're declaring to the enemy that there's something big that God's going to do here. He said, so you know what? You would be really wise to dig in in prayer and cover that thing. And I thought, you're right. You're right. So we, we looked at it and we figure three days, three days that we really get focused. Sometimes we have like three weeks and it seems almost too long. It's like three weeks and, you know, almost forget what you're doing. But three days... It's like three days, it's intense. Maybe for three days, you don't watch TV. Maybe for three days, you don't watch TV, you don't eat, you just drink water. Maybe for three days, I don't know. And for your own life, it's intense. Well, you should probably sleep. But, <laughs> but it's intense, right? You're just like, for three days, we're digging in, we're going to listen to God, we're going to pray, and at the end of it, we're going to have a prayer meeting here in the basement to really cover it and to finish it. So... More details to come, but I wanted to stir you. See, I could just announce prayer and fasting, but if I don't give you all the background, there's no treasure there, right? But all of a sudden, fasting and prayer, hey, listen, there's treasure there. It's worth buying the field. It's worth buying the field and prayer and fasting. It's worth me giving this up because what's going to happen is big. So I will fast and pray. Do you understand? That's the picture. And hopefully today is sense.